Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. And today I'll be talking to Christy Champion, who is a licensed professional counselor, as well as the clinical manager of the Child and Adolescent PHP IOP program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in Hamilton, New Jersey. In Christy's private practice, she also works with parents in her role as a perinatal mental health counselor, where she focuses on treating the mental health needs of women who are pregnant through the baby's first year of life. In this one, we talk about how to fight feelings of guilt that might come up for us as parents during the coronavirus pandemic. That, that's when you have to, you need to cue your daughter to scream in the background. Oh, don't worry, it'll uh, happen. You just add the sound effect later. <laughs> no, it'll just happen on its own. <laughs> I don't need to add any sound effect. Um, <laughs> great. So you just brought up a lot of great points. Um, but you also brought up this idea of sort of the current situation and coronavirus. How are you finding that that's impacting the mental health of parents and the mental health of, of people who are trying to take care of their kids while they're going through all this? Uh, it's impacting everyone tremendously. I think one of the hardest things a lot of folks are experiencing is that as a parent, we rely so much on our community supports, whether that's daycare, mom groups, different school activities for the kids, even just seeing like friends and family to kind of have some release and have some of our own social time. And during the quarantine, we're really separated from a lot of the natural supports that we would have for ourselves and our kids. So it really kind of puts the pressure of being a full-time parent, caretaker, daycare, ed- educator, a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some people, some it, we're even often being like a physical therapist or uh, <laughs> a physical education teacher, a oh. human jungle gym. Yep. And it, it inherently breeds a lot of shame or a lot of guilt. And I know that ter- that term is pretty common at this point, this idea of mom guilt mm-hmm. or often dad guilt mm. that we are Thanks kind of- Thanks for throwing us in there. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, per- <laughs> perinatal mental health also specializes with dads. Interesting fact, one in 10 men will also experience some type of perinatal mood disorder. But, but yeah, so being separated from these supports, it really puts everything back on us. And it's really easy to feel like we're not doing enough mm. or we're- mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how to do certain things because we're not trained to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So when we are also in other roles, for example, if you're working a 40-hour job remotely and also trying to homeschool your child and also nurse your baby or your newborn, it's very likely that you're probably going to feel, A, overwhelmed at times, and B, mm-hmm. maybe like you're not doing a great job at all three of them at once, yeah. which is natural. Mm-hmm. Because arguably, we're not designed to do all three of them at once. The other issue that arises during quarantine has been that without a lot of supports in person, a lot of folks are kind of turning to social media supports. We see this very often for Can folks you hang kind on of. A second? Yep. Okay. Because I just want to ask you some follow up stuff about this, like trying to do everything at once. Sorry, I'm trying to also make a bottle at the same time. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Do you want to just do that? No, no, no. It's, it's good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. This is the point, Andy. I'm doing, we're doing it all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Trust me. Okay. So you just brought up this idea of trying to do everything at once. 
right now you might be an employee, but then you're also a daycare as well as a parent. So it's like you're trying to wear three different hats at the same time. And I think the point that you're bringing up is like, you're not going to be able to give all of those 100% of your attention at all times. That is kind of knowing that can steer you into this shameful, guilty thinking. Right. I, I think that when we when we're having to wear so many hats at the same time, it makes sense that we're probably going to feel ineffective, at least in one of them, because all these jobs weren't designed to do to be done all at the same time. And not to say that we can't do them or we can't handle them because there's a lot of, you know, supermen and wonder women out there. However, hey, it's... do you want to <laughs> tell people what you just told me you were doing while we're recording this? Yeah, I'm actually, as we're recording this, I'm, I'm making my baby a bottle. There you go. You're one uh, of those super women. <laughs> yeah. And I also <laughs> want to validate myself that despite being able to do a lot of it a lot of the times, there's also plenty of times where I feel entirely overwhelmed and I need mm -hmm. a lot of help in order to be, to be in as many roles as possible most of the time. So it, yeah, it, it leads to a lot of us feeling ineffective in our various roles because it feels like maybe we're letting down certain tasks or certain, uh, we're letting down people in certain roles. Mm -hmm. So if I'm working full time and trying to uh, cook a meal for a seven-year-old, my seven-year-old uh, that I don't actually have, but we're trying to also cook for an older child and get our teen to a graduation drive by party and also do something for our baby and also try to be a partner to our significant other. It seems like something has to give. And the fact that something had to give often makes us feel guilty because mm -hmm. of that whole pressure that we have to be super mom or super dad. And we have to perform excellently in all these roles at all times. And previously to being quarantined and previously to maybe being so many roles at the same time, maybe that was possible most of the time. And if it was for you, then good, good for you. Awesome. And for um, so many of us now taking on so many roles, it, again, I want folks to be able to validate themselves that it is understandable that you're not able to be in every role. And the more we feel shameful that like, oh, but I should be able to, the, the worse we're going to feel. And I mm -hmm. think it's really... I'm very careful not to say I don't want anyone to lower their expectation. I think lowering implies that something is worse mm -hmm. versus the expectation needs to shift. What we were able to do before as maybe I, I was an employee and I went to my office and that was my work. And mm -hmm. then I came home and then I was a mom and that was my mom job. And then in the evening I was a, a partner and I got to hang out with my husband or my significant other. The expectation is now adjusted. Those are not the allotted times we have. This is that is not the world we currently live in. Right. So to still judge ourselves or weigh our value or weigh our success by the way things used to be is no longer fair to ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. Everything you just said is 100% true. And that stuff is going to come up anyway. So like that feeling of guilt is going to come up at this time. It's almost unavoidable. So what do you encourage your clients to do when that comes up for them? Like to say that logically we know that it's impossible to wear all three of these hats and do them all a hundred percent all the time. We all know that like logically, I think most people know that. So when that feeling, when that judgment or that 
that thought of I, I should be able to do all this comes up regardless. What do you encourage your clients to do to help sort of manage that or to help challenge that thought? Mm, you, you make an excellent point. I think you're bringing up um, what I'm sure you've talked about in some of your other podcasts um, as far as intellectually or reasonably knowing something versus emotionally like living something or feeling something. Mm -hmm. And I think those are, it's, it's the quintessential battle between the head and the heart. Yeah. So I know that it's understandable that I cannot do all the things right now. And emotionally I can, I, I feel bad about it. And you, you start to kind of think to yourself, well, if there's a good reason, then why do I still feel bad? And I think a big part of it is the first step is to a 100% validate that it is a normal experience. Mm -hmm. um, just because we can reason our way around something doesn't mean that we then negate our feelings about it. Mm -hmm. So it's validating that I am allowed to know that this is that I am perfectly justified in in being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I'm going to feel it. The other thing I really suggest to people is to start to change the language the language with which we speak to ourselves. Mm -hmm. From a CBT perspective, we get into this trap of using uh, demand words or words of expectation. Mm -hmm. So I should do something, I must do something, I have to do something. Mm -hmm. um, it implies that these are expectations that need to get met. If not, we are failing to meet an expectation or we're failing to do something we're supposed to do. And of course, should um, should words, expectation words exist for a reason, because in reality, they keep us safe in a lot of ways. Like, I should not let my child run into the street because he could get hurt. Hopefully that's on your list. It is. Top, top five. <laughs> um, luckily, my kid's not running yet, so I can still catch him. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> but there's also a lot of things we should ourselves about that aren't actually needs or demands. They're actually wants. So I should lose 10 pounds. I should, um, I should clean up more. I shouldn't let my kid throw food on the floor. I should, you know, fill in the blank. There's so many things that, yeah, it would be nice if these things happen. And like, like we were talking about earlier, like I should do the dishes. They're up to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but we don't always have time to. So let's use that as an example. I should, if I walk around the house all afternoon while I have one kid, you know, on a hip and also uh, trying to perform in a Zoom meeting, and I'm just staring at the sink going, I should really take care of that. It's actually making me feel as though I am failing to meet an expectation. Um, therefore, I am ineffective at what I'm doing. And I should feel shame about that because I am not doing what I'm supposed to do. Versus we really want to, flip the language to be more preference than demand based. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to do the dishes. I would love to have the dishes done. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to complete them. I, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I wish I had a magic wand and they just disappear. And it takes the pressure off of us as a demand. And it really speaks more truthfully to what it is, which is it's a wish. It's a preference. Mm -hmm. I would, I would love if, my baby stopped throwing food on the floor. Uh, the dog would gravely disagree, but I would really like that. However, if my feeling is that I should stop him from doing that because I need to like control his behavior or else I'm like not doing a good job as a mom, that's the stuff that really breeds. It, it breeds a lot of shame and it mm -hmm. breeds a lot of guilt that just leads to a lot of additional stress 
I just want you to know that you just picked like my top two pet peeves to use as an example. Food on the floor and dishes in the sink. I don't know what it is about the kitchen, man, but something about it really stresses me out. <laughs> you know, and interestingly, um, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later as far as like um, social media goes. There's, I saw a great post the other day explaining why clutter produces anxiety mm. because you're certainly not an, alone in this. Um, and especially for parents that have... I, I swear, every time I clean the house, I turn around, I hear little footsteps, and it's totally wrecked again. Mm-hmm. Um, clutter just is, it, it makes us more stressed. It just really does. It A, it validates, or it seemingly validates feelings that we are not doing enough mm-hmm. because of its constant presence. It also, just from a neurological perspective, when your brain registers your surroundings, your brain likes clear, understandable things. If I look at my table, my brain would feel good seeing a plain table with flowers in the center because it is easy for my brain to digest it and then ignore it. So my brain can then focus on all the other things that it has to process. When there's a bunch of clutter around um, and my brain now has to absorb Pat the Bunny and hand sanitizer in a gift bag from two months ago. Why is yeah, it yeah, still yeah. there? Um, it actually just... it it doesn't allow our brain to go into autopilot of no longer recognizing those items. And Mm -hmm. it keeps us more vigilant. That makes total sense to me. Um, I think for me, it's not so much of this feeling of like, I'm not doing enough. It's just, it's almost like this defeatist feeling of like, Oh my God, this never ends like four, at least four times a day. The kitchen is like a complete disaster. No, I'm sorry to jump in. I I feel like a lot of people are experiencing that right now. It's just life burnout. Mm Mm-hmm. It's that every time we turn around, it's it's like a really awful version of Groundhog's Day. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah, yeah. Um, you know Bill Murray is is in your home now, and he's stuck always doing the dishes, always doing the laundry, always picking up the same books, oh. always you know putting away the the couch fort uh, or the the fort made out of your couch cushions. Um, and it seems like, especially in this environment where 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 we are working at home, we are living at home, we are playing at home, we're doing everything at home that it feels unending and it's leading to people's higher kind of like life burnout, mm-hmm. just being very exhausted from doing it all the time. And I know that like um, a lot of the moms that I work with it express that same feeling of I wake up uh, or the baby wakes me up, uh, eat, change, play, feed, and then rinse and repeat. That's yep. all my life becomes and then throw in a, a bucket of laundry and mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, being able to eat a granola bar for myself. Yeah. And that's my day every day. Mm-hmm. When we're in quarantine, it's it's that without the additional possible supports or the the maybe those those times where we kind of get to, to step away once in a while. Mm-hmm. So it's understandable that that feeling of, oh, my gosh, this is an ending is is really at the forefront of a lot of folks' minds. Man, you and I are just on the same page today. I know we've had a bit of a contentious work relationship in the past. Stop. Stop. <laughs> don't don't tell don't tell the folks at home. What, I'm not, I'm not gonna. Don't, I'm not gonna. Um, don't rewrite this narrative. No, no, I won't. I will not. But I use that exact analogy all the time when people say how's how's things going. I say it's Groundhog Day for the past four months. It's like every day is literally exactly the same and you know there there are parts of that that are challenging there are parts of that that are great that i love but it's definitely that feeling of like 
like I was saying with the kitchen, like, hey, I was just here like 20 minutes ago and I'll be here again tomorrow and the day after that, the day after that. Right. And it goes back to kind of like your like your question before of like, what do we how do we shift that? Mm -hmm. And how does it not feel so like heavy all the time? Because I think what's really happening for a lot of folks and, and not just parents, but anybody in quarantine, it feels like without the things that used to relieve stress, like, you, you know, you used to have a 40 hour work week, let's say. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekend, you totally unwound, unwinded, unwound. Um, <laughs> I'm not really and sure. You'd, you'd go out to lunch with a friend and then afterwards you'd go, I don't know, to the boardwalk and play ski ball or you'd go somewhere and do something and mm. totally be out of your home. It gave you that reset to come back to Monday. And even though it is Groundhog's Day week in, week out, you had that weekend to recharge. Mm -hmm. We aren't always getting that. And, um, or, or we're not so getting we, that at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a lot yeah. of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, just as an example, my, um, my wife and I have been talking about how, like for the past four months we haven't gotten, I mean, we just haven't gotten any break at all. Like, uh, we haven't been able to go out to dinner. We haven't been, I mean, it's been us and the kids every day, every minute for the past four months. It's wearing on us, and yeah, I could imagine that that exact situation is wearing on a lot of other people. You, you know, like you said, you don't get that break anymore where you get to go just hang out, just play ski ball, just go playing ski ball. Seems like a random example, but yeah. Hey, don't don't knock it. Don't I have a big it. ski ball fan? If that I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. And it's not so COVID friendly because you know it's like who knows how, how many That's other true. people have touched that. So you know, That's true. It's, I'm, I'm mourning my loss of being able to play ski ball. But to your point, yeah, you you and your wife are are stuck in this in this loop. And I think the things that that we want to be mindful of and start to use skills for is what is the language that we're using. So every time you turn around and you see that, yep, dishes are back in the sink. I just cleaned all of this for an hour and it's already filthy. Is the expectation we're telling ourselves this should stay clean? Mm -hmm. And because mm -hmm. of that, it's actually building agitation. Um, the same, like I've cleaned up my son's book area now probably seven times today. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it needs to stop. It just needs to stop. I can't even, um, <laughs> becomes the sentiment. And the more I kind of dig my heels in, like, this is, I'm done. Like, I can't keep doing this. It needs to, you know, like, this is just ridiculous. The more we kind of resent the task. Of course, the other thing that we want to look at is, how do we create downtime and how do we create some space for ourselves in what seems like a never ending cycle of not having time for yourself? Yeah. So I know that you are using the example that, you know, you, your wife, uh, you and your wife haven't been able to kind of have any time for yourself. And mm -hmm. I think that's something a lot of folks, uh, that's a shared experience by a lot of, a lot of parents out there, um, especially for folks that have more than one kid or, you know, are, also trying to work at the same time. It's where is my downtime? Mm -hmm. So from, from a skills kind of perspective, we really focus on making the most of the time that we have. Yeah. So one thing that I really try doing is if I mentally need a break and my son is awake, I probably don't actually get to take that break. Mm -hmm. However, can I take an emotional break? Can I take a mental break rather than a physical break? Mm -hmm. So I like to try to use some of my own coping skills or my own mindfulness skills with him while he's awake so that he's too young to understand that I'm also modeling it, which is mm -hmm. a great thing to do. Yeah. However, 
I can take a little bit of my own wellness break without having to go hands off from him at that moment. So like an example might be that sometimes if I have a lot on my mind, I like to do color counting. So I'll look around the room and count how many things I can find that are orange. Mm -hmm. And I'll actually do that out loud with him because it helps take my mind off the other stuff and just focus on one thing, which is the orange things. Or I'll even try to do like word games like, okay, let's look around the room, find how many things start with the letter B. And that is a way that I can distract without having to step away from the moment Mm -hmm. and be in it, but be well in the moment. The other thing we try to really do is make the most of that rare downtime that we have without kids. Mm -hmm. So I think often what happens is we, uh, and I'm very guilty of this, the second my son goes down for a nap, what I usually do is do more research on how to get him to nap more. <laughs> and in in I, I think I saw a great Instagram post like, um, when my kid is asleep, all I do is read about sleep mm-hmm. instead of actually resting myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think a lot of us do that as parents is the second they're down, we're, we're scrolling, we're maybe reading things, we're planning next day's meals, we're, we're doing a lot of things to prep. Or we're doing things that don't actually relax our mind. And I know that like, I'm very guilty of this. Uh, oftentimes when I'm done for the day, you, you put on a good show to binge. Mm-hmm. However, it, it, like you were saying before, with that kind of Groundhog's Day effect, that's not always so much refreshing as it is just kind of keeping us of this cycle of like, yep, every day is the same. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. turn on Netflix. Yep, do this next thing. Mm-hmm. That when we do have that downtime, it's really important to try new and creative things that even though you're exhausted, shift your brain from what feels typical. So that might mean on on an evening where maybe the kids go down by, you know, seven, eight, nine. I know it sounds silly, but like try maybe try watercoloring. Try something that you wouldn't typically do so that evening feels different. Mm-hmm. Because if the if the cycle always stays the same and of course we're comfortable in it then it always feels the same. Yeah. Um, the, the rebuttal to this is usually, I'm too exhausted to do a new thing, mm-hmm. which is valid. Yeah, I agree with you. It's totally valid. And it reminds me of something that we might say to someone who's battling like a severe depression, right? One thing that luckily I've made peace with, I think, I don't know, a few a few weeks or a few months into the quarantine as a parent was that, look, I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be tired all the time you know, some days more tired than others. And I'm bringing it back to this kind of depression comparison, because usually when you're treating someone who's sort of suffering like a really deep depression, they're going to say to you, they feel extremely tired, they don't have any motivation to do anything. And that's what keeps them stuck in bed. I think there's a parallel there, like, and the rebuttal to that is like, you just you have to find a way to do it or you start small. And and it's the same here, I think. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to feel tired and you just kind of have to do it anyway if you want to start to feel better. Right. And and Andy, what I think you're, the, the skill you're speaking to is what we call opposite to emotion. Other forms of therapy we would call behavioral activation, especially to, to combat depression, where we often feel a strong emotion. So in this case, maybe that sadness, that weariness, that overwhelmed sensation, and the emotion produces this feeling or this urge to stay sedentary, to to not put forth effort because we are exhausted. And unfortunately, what it does is it adds fuel to the fire, actually. Uh, 
and when we remain sedentary, that depression really increases. Or likewise with anxiety, often the urge is to race around and do everything. And our heightened state actually can trigger further anxiety. So we really encourage people to try to do, in some cases, the opposite. Um, and that will help alleviate the emotion. So if I'm depressed and I actually get up and I do yoga or I do something that moves me, I get up and I take like a hot shower. Sometimes that's what we need to kind of pull ourselves out of that funk. And we also want to be mindful of being understanding the true motivation behind a feeling. So am I exhausted because I am physically, literally exhausted? Like my son got me off from around like 4.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. Right now I am literally exhausted and I'm on my second cup of coffee. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know, it's just the expectation. I'm literally exhausted and later I will, you know, I will probably go to bed early rather than try a fun new hobby because my body needs to rest. Yeah. But I know there's definitely other days where I'm so just kind of done with the work day that I go and I just lay down and I just want to do nothing but sleep. Mm -hmm. But I know that's because I'm emotionally tired, not physically tired. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling emotionally tired, those are the times where I really want to try to act opposite and do something that perks my mood up. And that could be something like we talked about, about getting active in some way and kind of faking it till we make it. Or it could even be doing something, you know, mentally rejuvenating, like trying to focus on gratitude or using some positive affirmations that uh, using some positive affirmations that honor how hard we're working. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another kind of, uh, I guess it's a tip um, that I kind of want to put out there. Mm -hmm. What's happening frequently now is a lot of parents maybe putting themselves down about not being able to do enough or not Mm. feeling effective in the many roles that we're having. And these are the times where I really encourage folks to focus on their effort and not their outcomes as a parent. If we focus on the outcomes of our child's behavior as a parent, as being a reflection of us, a lot of times we can feel ineffective. Mm -hmm. So, and we often tell this to our to the parents of our kids in the child program, that you are going to do the right thing. You are going to follow the behavior plan that we're, we're teaching you. And likely you're actually going to get met with a lot of resistance. You're mm-hmm. gonna see an increase of tantrums. You're gonna, you know, we call that an extinction burst. We're gonna see a lot of behaviors flare up because now you're, you're putting these boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Don't let the outcome, AKA your child's behavior make you feel as though you're not doing a good job. And that's kind of like a big life lesson for a lot of us right now is how do we refocus on how much effort I'm putting into everything rather than what am I, what am I seeing as a result? And to your point before about the dishes, that's exactly the case is I, okay, let's say that you put a timer on for every time you did the dishes today. Okay. So let's say you ended up, you calculated at the end of the day, you put three hours of effort into doing the dishes continually Mm -hmm. throughout the day. And the sink is again, full of dishes. Mm -hmm. If you only valued yourself or you only allowed yourself to feel positive based on the outcome, then you're probably stuck in a place where you're feeling pretty bad about yourself because the outcome is never what you want it to be. The outcome is never that it's staying clean for yeah, any long will. period of time. <laughs> and it never will. You have too many. Yeah, you have two kids, Andy. It's not going to happen. Versus if you can focus on your effort, 
I worked on that kitchen for three hours today. I did a really good job. Mm. I was able to, I kept up as best as I could. Um, you know, that there was always at least one clean plate. There was always at least one <laughs> clean fork. I uh. did a bang up job. If we're able to actually focus on the objective, the, or not even, you don't even have to pat yourself on the back by saying you did a bang up job. If you're able to actually focus non-judgmentally on the effort you put in, I put in three hours of effort. Mm -hmm. The outcome is the outcome. And that's the thing that we can't always control. And therefore we shouldn't judge ourselves by. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I'm stressing myself out over here that I'm gonna have an angry mob of exhausted parents coming for me. So I just wanna reiterate that if you're feeling overtired, you absolutely deserve to rest and take a nap. The only point I was trying to make at the end there is that if we're finding that we're never doing anything that we enjoy because we're too tired, it's probably gonna have some negative consequences on our mental health. So once in a while, we may have to force ourselves to do something fun or get some exercise or do something different if we wanna make our mental health a priority. Next week, I'll be posting another podcast with Christy where we talk about social media and how that kind of ties into all of this. So I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next time.